welcome to another episode of From From the the Lower Level. I'm your host, Moshi, and just know, Patty, I will go to jail for you. (laughs) Well, I'm Patricia, and Moshi, if you'll indulge me today as we record this podcast, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, (laughs) my God, we are coming to you humbly. My God, we want you to hear us. Show us that you are real in this 21st century. Bless all the people that want to know you are God. Amen. The way I was going to say to you, like, I was waiting for you to do your intro, and then I was going to say to you, we should pray. (laughs) The way you just read my mind like that. Obsessed. So if you've clocked it, we have a very Real Housewives of Salt Lake City focused episode for you. In fact, it's really the only episode we're going to dive into because season two is here. It was juicy and we want to mention it all. But before we do that, let's go into what I actually think is kind of possibly my favorite part of this episode. Just when we talk the tea of the week. Um, the word of the street. What have you got for me to Patrizio? Well, Moshi, we are both very passionate Real Housewives of Melbourne fans. And we are. this week we got the trailer for the new season. It was the worst trailer ever. <laughs> I got nothing out of it other than squirrel poo, um, which to me seemed very scripted. Like, yeah, who's 100%. saying squirrel poo these days? I've never heard anybody say squirrel poo because we don't have squirrels in Australia. Well, I mean, these these women are women of the world. What can I tell you? <laughs> Hence why they're saying squirrel poo as opposed to possum poo. <laughs> Not the possum poo. <laughs> um, I mean, look, it was, it was okay. No, nah, it was really shit. Much? It was shit. It was shit. I mean, there's a lot of shit that we've seen this week. There was the, the um, I don't know, what do you call it? Like the title card was like revealed yes. as well. And I don't know, that was like a hot mess. Like why were all the women not in sequence? I don't know. Well, I think we know that like this season of Real Housewives of Melbourne because it Real Housewives of Melbourne was on hiatus, I guess, indefinitely. They have brought it back because the fans were asking for it. So I think that there's possibly not the budget there that we're used to. So can we expect a kind of low-rent Real Housewives of Melbourne? Yes. I'm actually a little worried that it's going to be a bit like the most recent season of Real Housewives of New York, just not living up to what we're used to. Oh, not at all. And these women are actors. Like, it's been three years or something ridiculous since the last season. Like, Well, can I just say, if you follow Real Housewives, Real Housewives of Melbourne scenes on Instagram, who is, like, just my favourite recapper of all things, like, my favourite historian of all things Real Housewives of Melbourne, she gets some really good comments from, like, Janet and from, like, Gamble and... If they're like Instagram comments or anything to go by, they haven't lost their touch. Okay. Well, I'm glad to hear it. But like the way that this season is going to be like all on Janet's shoulders, I feel. I, I feel like Gamble won't let us down. Between Gamble and Janet, I feel like we will get something. 
and Jackie. I mean, Jackie is insane. Yeah, but Jackie's pregnant, and I feel like pregnant housewives are never as fun. No, but I feel like with Jackie, it's you know, Jackie was already quite precious, and I feel like being pregnant, she's gonna be like, she's basically gonna think she's the second coming of Jesus. Like she's gonna think she is Mary, well, carrying the Jesus two point She is gonna be the bone collector. She'll be the only sober one. True. It'll be interesting. I think it'll be interesting. I think she'll be fine. Um, and in other news this week, we have the Beverly Hills reunion was filmed mm. and we started to get like little drips of information. We got the seating pl- plan this week, which no one was happy with because no. Sutton was relegated to the end of the couch. And as Slatty Buddies, which is the name, obviously, of, Sutton, of Sutton's people, um, we want justice for our queen. This is actually disrespectful. And she needs to be sitting right next to Andy. Sluts for Sutton. Um, yeah, <laughs> look, I, I think the problem is obviously Kyle. Um, Kyle gets the seat <laughs> next to Andy. Like, it's just, it must be in her contract. Um, and I feel like looking at the overall, Sutton is sitting directly opposite Crystal, which I mean is obviously going to be a conversation that needs to be had. And then, like, Garcelle is kind of facing Dorit and Rina, but obviously Erica here and Kyle. Well, I mean, they do have drama because apparently Erica doesn't like any of them anymore except for... Uh, Rina. I I just think, I mean, look, we for those who don't know the whole history of the show is that originally it was meant to be like the Richard sisters. That's what the reality show was meant to be, Kyle, Kim and Kathy, and it ended up becoming the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. So I do understand that Kyle is obviously also the only OG on the show now and obviously that does come with a certain level of respect, but she didn't, t- you know, the only thing that she did was bring a sister on the show who completely upstaged her and who didn't even carry a diamond. She was a friend of and still stole the show. Disgraceful. Yeah. I, I reposted, I think, from Real Housewives franchises on Instagram, uh, like the MVPs, uh, Garcelle, Sutton and Kathy Hilton. The, they carried the entire show on their back and Erica did. But Erica carried the show on her, like, the the storyline, not because she actually did anything. It was happenstance. No. It was just happenstance. Yeah. And, I mean, look, normally the girls get together at the end of a reunion, but at the end of this reunion we only saw Sutton and Garcelle out on the town teasing each other. So I think that tells us perhaps where this reunion has landed. Yes. And you know the other thing I realised, because I was like, oh, why Why is Erica, I was thinking about this the other week, I was like, because we found out like maybe like three weeks ago that Erica was kind of done with everyone but Rinna. And I'd forgotten that the, the ladies get like two episodes two weeks ahead. Like they always get to watch the episodes two or three weeks ahead or whatever because they're going to have to talk about it. So I realised that Erica had like obviously already watched what is today, yesterday, tonight's episode of Beverly Hills where Dorit, Kyle and their significant others just sit at a table. And I don't think they make fun of her per se. I mean, PK definitely does. But I think 
he makes some really valid points. And I will also say that I think Kyle has sat on the fence and played both sides the whole way through. So annoying. Well, I mean, I think the other bit of tea that came out from the reunion was that Rina and Garcelle had perhaps the most explosive um, interaction um, because obviously, I mean, we've seen it like the last couple of weeks. There is definitely some, I don't know, like tension, unresolved drama between the two of them. And that has obviously exploded. And um, I think Garcelle said what had to be said. That's my Yeah. I, I'm team Garcelle on that one as well. Even if Garcelle is wrong, I'm team Garcelle. Just putting that out there. <laughs> well, I mean, look, Sutton and Garcelle, like you said, and Kathy Hilton carried this season. Carried the show on their backs. Well, Moshi, um, that's, it was a pretty light on week um, for the word on the street. But let's get into this week's episode. Like we said, we're going to focus this all on Salt Lake City, mainly because... I almost wet my pants watching this episode. <laughs> like, I could not... I, I don't know how I have not spoken about this episode with you at all. Like, because my mind watching it the first time was just like... I, I just... I, I, I'm still processing what happened. <laughs> well, I'm going to give you a couple more minutes to process because before we dive into this first episode... I want to kind of do a little bit of a recap for anybody who's listening who may not have watched the first season of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Do yourself a favor, go back and watch it. It's 10 episodes, three reunions, and for giving us, for a first season, um, giving us only 10 episodes, the ladies delivered last year like nobody has ever delivered before. And perhaps what's more is they gave us a reunion to remember. So it, for, let's, let's cast our minds back. You know, we like to, do, like to do a little bit of a, let's go two months earlier, three months earlier, but let's do um, a Bravo flashback, if you will, and just recap season one of Salt Lake City. So it is in the midst of the pandemic. We are, everybody around the world at this stage has been locked down at home. So this was like, I think quite unique because this was probably the first time that everybody everywhere was locked down. Um, And we were introduced to six women from Salt Lake City. I will say one of them, not really from Salt Lake City, but they welcomed us into their seven homes, their chalet and their Airbnb. And we got taken on a really wild ride from hospital smells (laughs) to accusations of being a good time girl. Now, I don't know about you, Patrizia. I felt like you might have identified with the good time girl of it all. I was not a good time girl at all. And there it is, Heather Gay. You have been attacked for something that you weren't. But there was just like a lot of crazy shenanigans. But most importantly... I think it's really important that we own our place in this. That first episode, you and I were Jen Shah's biggest fans, okay? I mean, we were like Jen Shah's angels. We were the Pretty much. God. Like, I, I, mean, <laughs> I just want to point out the fact that, I mean, this podcast itself was like born with, with this, this show. Like, franchise. <laughs> 
our first episode of this podcast was like about the first episode of Salt Lake City. And yes, we were Jen Shah's right hand people. Pretty much. Like, and, and that's why I think like Salt Lake City is so special to us because I mean, I know we're going to talk about Mary's podcast, but I really identified with her reasoning for starting a podcast. We were just talking to ourselves and then talking to each other about housewives and and just building up all this excitement about Salt Lake City. And then we started this podcast. So Salt Lake City definitely has a special place in our heart. But I guess the irony of it all is that by the end of that reunion, we were not Jen Shah fans. So with everything else that has happened in between that reunion and this first episode, which we get to see at the beginning of this episode, I'm really interested to know how you are feeling about Jen Shah. Well, I mean, look, it was a bad reunion for her. I think she thought that this season would be her her renaissance. She was going to come back. She was going to right the wrongs. She was going to give us a storyline to make us feel sorry for her. But instead, we found out she is an alleged criminal. Which is, can I just say at this point, is kind of how I like my house. <laughs> well, I mean, but like, I think the thing with Jen is, although we love other criminal housewives, a la Teresa Judice. <laughs> like, she just committed like bankruptcy fraud or mortgage fraud yeah. or whatever it is. Like Jen Shah has allegedly like stolen money, frauded people, vulnerable people, vulnerable people of their money um, to live a very lavish lifestyle. So it's unforgivable because again, like Erica, I mean, if we want, Erica has not been accused of any crimes. I think that's what we should also establish. Interesting. I mean, yeah. Her, you know, as well, her herself, like she hasn't done anything to the victims. She may have profited off that, but she herself hasn't like, you know, I think Jen Shah's crime is of more significance here. So although really... we do love Little Housewife, I think <laughs> this by time it's a little different. Well, I'm actually really glad that you kind of broke that down because I was going to ask you um, how you thought Erica Jane differs from, from Jen. But seeing as we're on this topic, let's dive into season two, episode, episode one. And for me, I just want to say it sounds like like if I'm thinking about writing an essay – I'm thinking that this episode one, which is our introduction, introduces a couple of questions that we're going to have to think about throughout the season. And those questions are, who is the rat that dobbed Jen in? And are any of these women affected? But we will not be able to answer any of those questions until we watch the season. So to me, genius. They set it up. So so take us through it. Take us through how this episode begins. Well, it begins with Jen Shah. Um, funny that we were just talking about her. But she 
you know, between last season and this season, like we are getting a lot of information about what's happened in her life because she has moved house. She has the Shah Chalet 2. 2.0. Bigger, better, because the rent ran out on the old one. And I thought that was very, like, interesting in itself. I feel like a lot of the time when housewives move houses, I never feel like they are, like, transparent about, like, what's happened. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I think, I think in my mind, if you have money you would buy your own house but these women a lot of the women across a lot of different franchises like they all just like rent um so the question that i have for you there is do you like obviously in this episode jen was honest that she had been renting the original shah chalet but do you think that she was only honest because the internet had outed her look potentially potentially i want to jump I'm going to juxtapose this because I'm sure we're going to talk about it with Meredith and when we talk about Meredith's new house. Well, I, again, I think the problem with Meredith was that she was trying to convince us last season that she is a permanent resident of Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City. And she was literally staying in an Airbnb. Like, she did not know how anything in that house worked last season. 100%. I loved, though, that she didn't tell us whether or not she was renting this new house or she'd bought it, but she did say that they found a house that suited more their style. And just out of curiosity, who has the best new house in your opinion? I mean, at Meredith's Meredith's house. Yeah. I, I did like Jen's. I actually thought it was a smaller chalet than the first chalet, but um, yeah, for me, it was Meredith's house. I get the sense, though, that Jen's house, location-wise, was perhaps a bit more exclusive now um, because they spoke briefly about the amenities of the area. So I'm assuming that there is some sort of, like, I don't know, community. Maybe it's gated. I don't know. Okay. Interesting. And we did see that um, (laughs) Heather was able to just ski to uh, <laughs> Meredith. So. Well, I mean, I got the sense home is like on the edge of like Park City. Like, I, because literally, like, Not Heather, with that like, view, went surely. Surely what? Surely with that view, it's like not on the edge of the city, the edge of the town. Surely it's in like a good, good area. Oh, I'm sure it's a fabulous area, but I just I just got the sense that it's not in the, the hustle and the bustle of Park Interesting. Salt Lake City. Or it's not downtown. Are. No. Okay. Um, but Jen, obviously she has um she has who came over? Lisa Barlow. Lisa Barlow comes over and we get a tour of the home and obviously the big one here is the closet. And I think mm-hmm. this is where we start to see the parallel with Erica. Yep. Because it's, it's this whole thing of like setting these women up. Like we know that like you are about to go to jail for fraud, possibly <laughs> for frauding the monies and this first episode, she's like, I had to turn the exercise room into a closet. And 
Lisa is like amazed by the amount of shit that's in this closet. And like, <laughs> it is a lot. There are a lot of shoes, a lot of boots, a lot of handbags. And Jen trusts it herself. The movers themselves had never seen so many clothes, shoes, and bags. So I, I love it when we're so in sync because in my notes that I took, I had the exact same thing. I was like, I had written in like set up for, like I was like, these producers know how to set people up for the downfall. But on the other side of that, I was like, but when they were shooting this, they didn't know what was to come. And so I was starting to think more about the psychology of a certain type of person, obviously like a narcissist. And, you know, it is narcissists who end up doing these sorts of crimes and eventually getting found out. And also narcissists who go out of their way to make us look over there when they're trying to, to, to portray themselves as innocent. And I was like, you know, this is this is what we should be looking out for now with our housewives. The housewife who is like so quick to show you that they've made the spare room their closet and not that they've bought a house with a closet that's been customised, a la say like a Lisa Vanderpump or a Dr Tiffany Moon, you know. We know that they have earned their money through their business dealings as opposed to shady dealings. I don't know. It's just an interesting thing to see like the type of personality at play look i will give i will give the benefit of the doubt here as well jen shah's movers they had been moving college students before this so yes <laughs> they, they maybe they had never seen that many clothes shoes and bags but i think there is an excess to jen shah's life oh we know that there is but what i'm sort of alluding to is that people who want you to know about this excess, you know how we talked about like wealth whispers, right? So you never see like Kathy Hilton's not showing us all of this sort of shit. And so I'm talking, I mean, and Lisa Barlow, who we also know is like super rich. She has a different Chanel bag in every scene that she's in on this episode. She's not walking us into our, into her closet to show us things. And I'm sure she has just as many things as Jen Shah, but she's, it's not to me about modesty, but somebody who wants to show you this excess of their lifestyle, I just feel like in the housewives world, we need to worry about those people because Erica Jane was exactly the same. It's expensive to be me. Ah, ah, ah. Are we going to get copyrighted for that? Do we have to like bleep that out? <laughs> you might have to. <laughs> I mean, Teresa Judice. Again. That house that is finally being sold. It, it's it, this, And I mean, that also we've spoken about like the types of personalities for people who want to be on reality shows, right? There is a certain bit of narcissism and ego that you have to want to have to be on these shows. But yeah, I definitely think like if you're trying to figure out like something about housewives, like the ones that are going to be criminals, these are the ones you should be looking out for. Like Dorit is next, you know. I mean, she, she should be. She should be watching all these other women from the other cities and, like, taking notes. I wouldn't be surprised. paying her bills. Exactly. I wouldn't be surprised if we actually start to see Dorit, like, if she's there next season, if we actually start to see less of the, the labels and things. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if she does a bit of a change and becomes a bit more subtle. I mean, well, it, well, who knows? But um, 
I guess to Jane showing the excess. She was also very vulnerable in this first scene, right? Because we learn that um, during the break that she has had a very terrible time, obviously with the pandemic, but also that Coach Sharif almost got a divorce. I mean, she says because Sharif didn't think that he could help her anymore. Yeah, that he that her attitude was he was being not able to bring out the best in her anymore. I mean, let's be honest, that marriage is going to end at some stage. I mean, uh, God bless that man if he can stay with her through all of this shit. Because I, I mean, we've had this discussion before. I don't know if I could support someone like that, knowing I what couldn't. they have allegedly done. Do you know what I clocked in this episode? And I might be a little bit wrong. But I know they were high school sweethearts and all that, and I know I shouldn't shame people, but did they get married because they were pregnant with Reefy? I mean, it could be the case. I mean, they're both religious. Um, she was yep. Mormon. He was Muslim. I mean, both she those converted. religions require you to have a marriage before a child. Yeah, and there is no divorce in either of those religions. So she's not letting Coach Shah go anywhere. I mean, all that I could focus on whenever they would show those old photos was just like how different, different her face was. I know. <laughs> I, was I was like, exactly who is this woman? Same. I was just like, her face, but her face looked different even last season. There's like there's one of the confessional looks from this episode where I was like, her face has changed again. <laughs> like, I couldn't keep up. Though, I thought that they were, like, so much better than last season. I think she oh. looked a bit more, she, it was less, it was much less. It was a the more quality, simple The looks. quality this season in production is 100% better. Everything has changed. Fabulous. I love to see it. And I think Jen Shah looked better this season in her confession. I agree. We got two of them already in this first episode. Yeah. Um, but obviously one of the weird things in this episode, and again, like we don't know what's to come, but the fact is that as Lisa and Jen are discussing, like, you know, everything that Jen has gone through, <laughs> Lisa was talking and Jen turns around and is like, I'd go to jail for, jail you. for you. I but haven't gone, gone to jail yet. yet. <laughs> when I heard that, I was like, because to me, I'm still like, they're filming this not knowing what's going to happen. But is but obviously this woman knows something is going to happen and she is like, imagine just being like that narcissistic and that cocky. I don't know. It was just, it, it was either just like obviously a coincidence and when it came time to edit, they just got it all right, you know? I don't It's coming. I don't know. Either way, the Jeff editor's Lee, amazing. 
yeah, they're killing yeah. it already. Um, and, and I, don't I think that's the other thing that I sort of clocked in this for- in um, which and and I guess this speaks. Um, I think it was later on in the episode that they have like the birthday party for Rafi, her son. I didn't realize Rafi was like Sharif June. <laughs> I love it when like you don't clock the things that are literally like the most obvious. Um, but she like can't even remember how old he is. Do yeah, that's because... because that's because butt in the oven. That's shotgun. That was like meant to be a shotgun sound. That is a hundred percent it. Phaedra. Yes. Having a baby at five months. A hundred percent. God, Jen, what a mess. But I'm sorry, hospital smell auntie was in the first episode. They are like, they know how to make an episode. Well, um, I don't know if you saw this, but Jen tweeted, he died. Auntie Nani passed away. I mean, I literally have nothing to do with Jen Shah now that I know that, like, once I got rid of her out of my life, I got rid of her out of my life. But that's so sad. Yeah, I think she passed in, like, June or July. Um, I mean, obviously, to have both of your legs amputated meant that she was obviously not well. At not well. Mm, definitely um, not. And she definitely did not seem that she was 100% with it um, at that birthday party either so yeah. it was sad but yeah it was definitely I don't know even Jen I felt uncomfortable with Jen showing her auntie's legs true what I I mean seeing as we're doing this whole reading between the lines with some of the things that come out of Jen's mouth in this episode I thought it was really interesting in her confessional you know how she spoke about her family and so I kind of thought that maybe some of this confessional had been shot after she had been arrested because you know she really spoke a lot about I mean she is Tongan and Islander families like they you know I think it's like most like non-white families <laughs> is no it's it's just the the way if you look if you study sociology you'll know what I mean but it's like that village approach right it it does take a village to raise a child or it everything is really familiar you know Italians are the same Greeks are the same it's not uncommon for whole families to live and support each other in that way it's the same in African families and I thought you know Jen really alluded to speaking on like how that family just really supports each other regardless of what's going on and I thought it was really great to see all of that family over at her home and one of the things that I did take away from that is that you know Jen had like her little cousin there but she is obviously not just like an aunt or an older cousin to him like he would respect her the same way he would respect his mother you know treats her with that same respect and things like that and I mean, she's doing a really great job, obviously, of portraying herself as not a villain in all of these scenes. <laughs> but I I appreciated that because I just think it's not what I was expecting of Salt Lake City. So to see it was really nice for me. But this is the thing because Jen Shah is looking for her redemption season. No, and, and I'm not saying, like, I, I'm not trying to be naive. Like, I totally get it. I totally get it. She's she she's not coming. She's like, I'm not getting the villain edit this season. But I, I just thought it was really nice. And I thought it was true, you know. I mean, even though I'm pretty sure um, that culture is matriarchal, but, you know, even just sort of saying that, 
on the the male side of the family, Coach Shah is like the head of the household for everyone and everybody looks to him. You know, if something happens to her and Coach Shah, like that was also interesting. She said if something happens between her and Coach Shah, then everybody else is like the whole cog in the in the chain has broken so I thought that was interesting it's just it's just interesting to learn about those dynamics yeah well I mean let's go from like one family dynamic to another because uh-huh. Whitney um we we so I guess at this point we're kind of up with what all the women are doing where they're at um and Whitney is at her house and her, <laughs> one of her stepsons is turning like, I don't know, like 27 or 29 or something ridiculous. And it was this thing of like how Whitney is basically the same age as her like husband's children. Yeah. It's, it's that old chestnut, right? Yeah. The old chestnut. I love it. Um, and I mean, I thought there were, there were two things for me about Whitney. Okay. The first thing for me was the, her, like, skin oil brand that she has. Yes, Wild um, Rose. But it wasn't always Wild Rose. She's going through a rebrand at the moment. Yes, what was it called? Like, Iris and something, right? Iris and Bow. Yeah. And she's changing it to Wild Rose Beauty. Is that what it is? Yeah, because, like, I think this was, like, an like a, a thing that she had that was kind of under wraps, but obviously she wants to do and she's probably going to have all these more products and, you know, mm-hmm. she did something that's a bit more, you know, speaks to her personal brand or whatever. But I was like, because we've discussed this before, house size is the platform from which you need to like launch, promote and yep. like, you know, really elevate your business and it's like, why, like, where was this last year? Like, Whitney, like, you had a brand that we are only just finding out about this season. Like, I don't know. It was a lost opportunity, in my opinion, last season. So I agree with you. But my biggest takeaway from last season is that so much stuff was left on the cutting room floor. Like, you remember how many, like, behind the scenes, unseen footage, roll the tape back, hoo-ha, that we got because it was only 10 episodes. So my real hope this season is that we get everything or most of everything. Well, I mean, look, last season, yes, you're bringing it back to me. There were production company changes. There was like, you know, they started filming, they stopped filming, they're back on again. So, yeah, I mean, potentially, yes. But at the same time, I feel like if you really wanted to make it happen, like she would... Whitney could have had a party about her skincare range. I agree with you. No, I agree with you. And I've seen her skincare range on her Instagram. So it hasn't been like a secret, but I do think that like with only 10 episodes last year, they had a really specific agenda of storylines that they wanted us to know, because I don't even think we really learned like we, aside from like, how horny Whitney is for her husband, despite their age difference. I don't think we really got much more of a storyline out of Whitney. Like I was really like, why is Whitney coming back? Like, what is she going to give us? So I think this season she also needs Wild Rose Beauty because she needs that, you know, like we always get it. There's always a Stephanie Holman. There's always 
a woman who needs to step out of her husband's shadow and you know show and and become a businesswoman and honestly I agree with you that's what housewives is all about like that's what you should be doing if you're not doing that that's why Wendy is doing her candle line like people are clocking it now Ladam, this is Ladam all over again okay yeah but I feel like Wendy Wendy's it's an afterthought you know what I mean I do agree with you but I feel like from Whitney Wildrose we are getting Ladam (laughs) 2.0 well you know what you know what else we're getting let them eat cake honey the amount of times (laughs) that this cake fell on the floor like she was clearly like she was wasted like wasted the poor cake when it fell the first time and she like put it back on the cake stand i was like that is unhygienic and like not okay and then like it fell again and then she finally gets outside and it falls once more and like when she brings it outside it also (laughs) got like a wide eye in it as well like a mess it was phenomenal television though it was so good it was just like do you know what the best bit was it was just that like nobody cared and and I was just like is this just a Tuesday night they're having a hot tub party like family hot tub party (laughs) everyone is blind drunk and did you clock that they weren't drinking Vita tequila why would they be well I mean remember the last time um Lisa Barlow gave them Vita tequila. I thought that like the producers went out of their way to show us they were drinking Patron and not Vita tequila, which I, I mean, loved. It's all the little bits of shade that I love. I mean, like, I'm not surprised at all that they were not drinking Vita. I don't think anyone is drinking Vita. Ex- except for um Lisa, Lisa and Meredith. Barlow. But I wanted to just sort of So there's, like, two parallel interesting storylines happening here. So, like, obviously right at the beginning of the episode, we've got the two new best friends, which are Lisa and Jen, who were not best friends last season. But then when we start looking at, like, another juxtaposition, we have the other two new best friends, which we touched on just before, which is Heather and Meredith. And I thought it was really interesting the way that they showed these two kind of same events you know you're going over to someone's house you're having a little nosh you're having a little chat you're talking about like how you're not friends anymore but we're also starting to see like these two new friendships and it's interesting as well because Heather obviously has beef with Lisa as well there's like this weird mesh of like beef going on that has created these two very different factions from what we had last year like it's a it's like upside down. Everything has changed except for bad weather. Bad weather are still together. Well, they're cousins. It's the family connection. A hundred percent. Um, what do you what do you think about these these two groups? How long do we think this will last? Well, I mean, we've already seen it doesn't last. Lisa doesn't want anything to do with Jen Shah the fraud. Yes, but I feel like there's a little bit more to that that we're not seeing because. Lisa is on that, oh, I guess they don't realise that Jen's a fraud at that stage, but there is this illusion and and it's alluded to and, you know, these are the questions that we ask, that I asked at the beginning 
where they say that it'll like potentially Lisa is affiliated with Jen on a business sense as well. And I'm wondering, is that part of the reason why they've become so close? Are they doing business together? I mean, yeah, potentially. Look, I think Lisa needed a, a um, what's it called, someone to support her going into this season. She needed the alliance. Okay. Because Lisa had a bad reunion. Lisa was, like, came out of that like crap. And... But she came out of crap because she was, I mean, obviously attacking Heather, but I don't, I don't particularly think Heather came out of that reunion looking particularly good either. But the other side of it is she came out in like such extreme defense of Jen in that reunion against her best friend, Meredith. It was weird. I mean, something happened on the Vegas trip. I think that is like the, that's the point at which everything changes. I agree with you. Something has happened then. Perhaps, Moshi, we need to dig into the archives. We need to watch these episodes again and like, no, but it's going to be in the footage that we didn't see. It's 100% been cut. We've watched it, trust me. It was not there. Well, who knows? I mean, what what could... I mean, Jen Shah could be getting leads for Lisa's business. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know. I think that whole thing around, like, who's ratted out Jen Shah as well, I think it's just a load of crock. Yeah, True. The other side of it is I was also going to say is like the other thing that's kind of switched is last year it was Meredith and Seth whose marriage was under the microscope and this season they're back stronger than ever. But we've also learned, like you shared with us before, that Jen Shah and Coach Shah have had have been going through some marital issues and I think it will be their relationship that's under the microscope this season as well, right? There's been like these 180s, particularly between Meredith and Jen. Well, I don't think that Coach Shah and Jen Shah were on good terms last season either. But they weren't talking divorce. Like it seemed to us that by the end of the season they were, well, actually no, because there was Coach Shah's birthday where things went absolutely apeshit but it seemed that they were on a way to reconciling but I don't know I just I just thought I just think it's very interesting how for those two women the tables completely turned they both did 180s is it karma or she I I don't know I'm trying not to rely on other people's philosophies that I haven't like practiced I'm trying to be more socially aware about the things that I say I think Meredith last season, one, we didn't get enough. She was disengaged the entire time. (laughs) And I don't know how much of it was manufactured. Like she pretended that she was in Salt Lake City. Um, I think her marital problems with Seth, like, sent real. Like, I don't don't know. Because it's a strong comeback. It is a strong comeback. Um, Speaking of comebacks, should we talk about the MVP of this episode for me. <laughs> I mean, come back. She didn't go anywhere. She, she strength to strength. <laughs> Basically, she phoned it in last season and still managed to come away as like the best bit of the reunion. And she is with us, mind, body, and soul this season. And if you don't know who we're talking about, we are talking about none other than the. Mary M. Cosby. 
She, uh, I mean, look, this is the point at which I started wetting my pants. (laughs) (laughs) When we got the look inside the church and the church, like everything is like wrapped in the blood wrap. (laughs) And I'm like, that's because Mary M. Cosby, I'm sure, is a germaphobe. Oh, 100%. She doesn't trust any humans or anything, okay? I don't like what did we witness? Like, so <laughs> during the pandemic, we learn that Robert Senior has gone to Florida and has been unable to return, or perhaps unwilling to return. Unwilling to return is more like it. So Mary has been, um, self-isolating with her son who's 18 obviously does not want a bar of her at this point as most 18 year old boys are with their mothers has turned to speaking to herself the entire pandemic she just speaks (laughs) the eggs she's washing the eggs they look like they come from the uterus itself like yes I, she, she, I mean, Anya Morgan gets told that she is like Edie from Grey Gardens, but like Miriam Cosby, like she just takes it to a whole other level. But I, so with that though, I feel like in this episode, we started to get a bit more of an understanding. As I would say, I feel like a layer of the onion was removed. Be- it wasn't just removed, honey. It was ripped off, I feel. <laughs> well, I thought that she got really vulnerable with us in this episode. So she has been talking to herself. And whilst talking to herself, she decided that, you know what? She needs to start a podcast. <laughs> so we see her with two of her parishioners. They are doing a podcast. And... I think for me, it was the best, like just the beginning when they obviously start with a prayer first and one of her co-hosts, parishioners, he begins to lead the prayer. And we see that one side of Miriam Cosby, which is like the boss bitch side of Miriam Cosby, where she tells him to like shut his mouth and that she's going to lead the prayer because he's doing too much. Was. Oh, a hundred percent. But it's also what we've seen her do in the church. Like that's the type she's part of that sort of evangelical Baptist sort of church. But this is where, I mean, I'm just talking about the different personalities of Miriam Cosby. So, I mean, we've gone from like Miriam Cosby who talks to herself and says, talks to the mannequins. Now we've seen like that boss bitch who is also, that's the Miriam Cosby that's been accused of being a shady and frauding the parishioners of the church. Right. Yes. And then we also get the Miriam Cosby who breaks down and cries because she knows that she's a little bit different from everybody else. And she tells us that, you know, growing up, she had no friends. Nobody wanted to be her friend. And because of that, she doesn't trust anyone. She doesn't trust any human being. That's a direct quote. And to me, that speaks to when we asked ourselves what sort of person would marry their step-grandfather, 
or minus the step grandfather. It's a person who has been alone most of their lives, who has been pushed out on the edge, who was, who was never liked by people. They found a, a pathway to power and they took it. Wow. Although I think um, God slash her grandmother also like willed it to happen. Oh, a hundred percent. There's a religious Just element because you know, she doesn't feel like she fits into. She doesn't. She, she doesn't, doesn't trust human beings, but she has learned through this experience. She was born for God. Lo- yeah, her her life became her life once once she was born for God. She was yeah. It was. It, and I'm sure the pandemic was so hard on her when you couldn't go into church and mm-hmm. they had to, I mean, I don't know whether she was doing any of these like drive-in like services or, you know, broadcasting on Zoom or whatever. I mean, obviously she's running a podcast. I'm sure she could have done the Zoom, but it's not the same. You need the energy room as you're yeah. like, you're reading the gospel to these people. True. But it was really, I guess, the biggest fact as well that was really interesting was when she was telling us about her, um, would we call it, experimentation with the tree, the reefer, <laughs> the Buddha, also known as marijuana. Do the kids still call her marijuana? <laughs> I mean... Weed. This was like the most <laughs> like I mean you want to talk about the onion. This was the part of the onion I didn't know existed. <laughs> she I mean she look smell. Yes, because and this is where there's the other side of Mary who really does know how to read you like a scripture because she smells everything. And when she said that, dead dead i i think for me what it was was like because it, it comes out because thinking about um how the youth have turned away from right and she talks and it, she's i mean she's a very intelligent woman let's this let's is exactly that, this right? is, so this is what i mean i think there's like i look at her sometimes and i'm like she's so quirky that she can't be smart but then she's she does these things and I'm like, she's so clever. Because the reason why the youth have turned away access, access to money, access to like I think the internet and all the rest of it, right, that they've turned away from the church. And I think in that she also talks about her son is lost, right, that he is one of these kids because obviously like, I mean, and I'm sure her son has been, has lived a very, like, you know, well-off childhood up to this point as well. I'm sure there was no for their family. Um, and then that's when they started use. And when she, like, asked the two co-hosts slash parishioners, like, well, have you ever done drugs before? I think you could, like, both of them clearly had, but didn't want to, like, have the confession moment, like yeah. in front of like Miriam Cosby, who's like the head of their, and then for her to just turn around and just be like, "Yeah, I did," like, like, boom, like I was not expecting this. I didn't think they were expecting it either. 
Like, I want to know what other drugs Miriam. <laughs> I don't think it's I'm hundred percent like, with you. She's done like some like. <laughs> oh, definitely. But do you not think that we got more of Mary Cosby in this episode than we did like all of last season? And I mean, look, I just want to say as well, her podcast is talking facts with Miriam Cosby, talking the all- facts of life. Patrizio, I'm gonna correct you like her co-host did. That what it's actually called, talking the fact. That's what it's going to be called. I may have gone looking for it and could not find it yet. Because let me tell you, if that podcast was around, I would be listening to it constantly. I thought it's a great way to connect with her audience, Mm -hmm. like. Because it had a religious overtone across everything, right? It was yes, of course. Yeah, and like, how do you go about the youth being lost? This is how you reconnect with the kids in the podcast. That's what we're doing. We're trying to connect with the kids. Patricia, this is how I know that even though you're you're quite young, you're so out of touch. Kids do not listen to podcasts. <laughs> you want to connect with the kids? You go on TikTok, mate. I. Mary M. Cosby on TikTok. Have you searched that yet? I, I don't think I need to because she posts those videos every day of her walking around her house in different <laughs> I love them. To I love them so much. Like, to just random music. And I'm just like, I'm here for it. It's so good. <laughs> oh, good. I don't, and does she make them herself? Does she have someone that does No, no, she has somebody... Her? I don't know which one it was. I feel like there's a recent one that she's done and you can see the reflection of the person who's recording her um, through, like, this window and she like she's, like, um, doing – she's wearing her houndstooth dress and she's, like, doing a weird dance. Like, she starts walking and then she just starts dancing and it's so bizarre. We are – We really are. She – I will say that she is a once-in-a-lifetime find and she is what these shows are all about, like finding those little eady, quirky people that just live in their own world. Like Kathy Hilton obviously is huge, but getting a bit more insight into her personality on Beverly Hills is so important. Um, um, I don't know what just happened. Just I didn't hear anything you just said. <laughs> I can. Can you hear me now? Um, I was saying. Oh, it's definitely on the recording, but I couldn't on the hear it, so sure. I don't know what you said. Repeat it, please. Um, what was I saying? Oh, you know, we're talking about Criminal Housewives, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, Miriam Cosby's closet. Is she the next to join Jen Shah in the courtroom? A hundred percent, yes. And I think that I think that um it we we will get it this season because that was one of the things that was happening, you know, behind the scenes. Like it was one of the things that people were talking about off offline or online rather that we weren't getting to see on the show is there's like, we spoke about it in like past episodes. There's a whole Reddit that like digs into um, 
Miriam Cosby potentially leading a cult. And I think we're going to, she's going to have to address that in this, in this season. Um, well, Marshy, I want to, uh, the new housewife on the block. Obsessed. Jenny. I mean, these, uh, the casting, amazing. Like, what, where, has, where was Jenny last season? Like, well, can I just tell you, I was not expecting her to be Lisa's Barlow, Lisa Barlow's bestie. I mean, bestie. Let's... Well, they're, well, they're friends, but I was not expecting, well, unlike other people who end up just on the show where there is a tenuous friendship, she has an actual history with Lisa Barlow and an actual friendship. Their, their sons are best mates. Like, there's an actual connection there. But I was not expecting Lisa Barlow to be the one that was bringing her into the fold. I, I actually thought that that was kind of a bit of an onion about Lisa for me. Who, if it wasn't Lisa, who would have brought her on, did you think? Whitney. I don't think Whitney only has white supremacist well, friends that go to Trump rallies. True. I thought it was going to be like more, much more tenuous. Like, I, I didn't think it would be, like, somebody who, like, their kids go to the same school together. I thought maybe she was going to be, like, maybe one of Meredith's best customers or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I thought it was going to be very loose. But I found how they knew each other to be so wholesome that it's a great story. I mean, Jenny has a great story, like, full stop. Like, I, I mean, first of all, she reveals that she is um, – 43 not 45 because her dad when they came to America fudged her numbers so that she could get into kindergarten um she is fabulous she goes obviously Vietnam her family escaped during the war they got taken by the Thai pirates when the Thai pirates eventually it was like a a Christian group from the US that saved the family brought them to Long Beach, California. I thought overall, I mean, she talks about how then she converted to Catholicism because her her soon to be husband was a devout Catholic. I thought that like last year we were expecting like a religious edit on okay. this housewives thing like we because we knew like Salt Lake City it's like the 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 hub of like the Mormon church like we were expecting them to all to be much more like involved with their religion um and I think we got that for like the first episode but then as we said like the the season didn't turn out I think how they were expecting it to turn out right right we knew that like Jen Shah was like a Muslim because she had converted like that was all in like the promos and all the rest of it but I felt like this alone we got so much more like religion um you know between Jen Shah talking about like you know the expectations from her religion on like of course um Mary talking about like religion through her podcast um mm-hmm. Jenny talking about you know the, the how religion brought her to America and like her relationship with Dewey as well, and then we see later on as well we get a Shabbat, no, Shabbat. like there has been more religion in this episode than I think the whole lot <laughs> of what I was expecting to have seen from Salt Lake. City. Interesting because for me I 
to me, it would just be in my mind that we we would either get women who were really devout or we would get the complete opposite because I feel like no devout religious person would be on Housewives. <laughs> it would be a completely different show. But, but yeah, I guess that's – I never even thought about the religious lens. That's such a great call-out, Patty. Look, I don't think, like, you have to be – like, they're not devout at all. And I think, like, you know – it just informs so much about their lives. Do you think? Um, I think it does. I think it informs why they are the way they are, the lack of religion. <laughs> the lack of religion. Um, can I just say... They've strayed uh, too far away from God, all of them, okay? So, an ex- <laughs> Excuse me, not Mary. You started this podcast with a whole prayer, honey. <laughs> You set the tone. Um, not only do I love Jenny, I also love her daughter. Like, Thank you. Um, we're not. We're not. You we're can't Asian. say it. You're not allowed to say it. You're not Asian. It's not something you can repeat. People have to watch the episode to know what it is. <laughs> you you can't say you can't say it. You. It's one of those things where unless you're Asian, you cannot repeat that. <laughs> What is a quote? <laughs> doesn't matter. Doesn't there is just because something's a quote doesn't mean you can say it. Well, I mean, I've been. <laughs> but I will say, I will say for me, I was just like, there's nothing more that I love in Housewives that when one of them has a precocious child. I mean, bring Jennifer it Aiden. on. Uh, Melania, <laughs> like <laughs> Portia, we have had iconic, precocious children. We needed one because Brooks was not it. Oh, he was not the one. Um, I, I mean, the only thing that like that I was like gagged over was the fact that like she was like from like the neck down. <laughs> I'm Honestly, I did you identify with her? Yeah, I thought Dewey was really good looking as well in that picture. But I was also just like, I felt like you would, like, I felt like she's our kind of people. But you know what that means, Patrizio? She's going to disappoint us. Well, I mean, look, when they, again, like, in the archives and like, I mean, Jenny's been touched by an angel. Like, <laughs> I mean, Dewey's not has had some work from the like neck up. <laughs> Can I just tell you? Did you not find it odd that we just saw like Dewey doing chiropractic things to, <laughs> to Lisa's son, just cracking his back there for all of us to see? All I knew was like in that moment, I was like, I really need to see a chiropractor. Uh, I can't do I can't do the bone cracking shit. Oh, I need it. I need it so bad. I'm I'm ready for it. When when I get out of this lockdown, I am like crack the shit out of me. <laughs> no, it, it freaks me out. And I mean, it was weird. No, I don't know. There's something that that bad that made me feel very. It felt very normal. <laughs> it felt just like a Wednesday night. I mean, I don't know, like promote your business. Like Tuesday night we're in the hot tub 
sloshed off our faces. Wednesday night, we're at the neighbours getting our backs cracked. <laughs> well, he's got that weird illness, which I was like, go get tested for COVID because it sounds like the same. Thank you, Dr. Fauci. <laughs> You're my resident Dr. Fauci, like legit, so. Oh, well, you know, I was just like, go get tested. Don't go to your Cairo. That's not going to help right now. True. Well, I'm ready for Jenny's opinions. She's told us that she's got a lot and I'm ready for that. I don't think she's that strong of an opinion on anything really. I don't either, but I'm like, I'm like, show us what you got. I'm ready. I'm, I, I think she's a good time girl. Like I think she's like, you know, drunk and have fun. And I'm into that. I think she's a little pocket rocket I think she's a party girl. I think she's going to, like, bring the party to us. I am triggered because I feel like this is everything we said about Jen <laughs> like, verbatim. Well, it sounds like Jenny is going to be in jail next season. I don't yes. know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Thank you. No, no Jenny's going to be above board, I'm sure. Above board, 100%. Um. Well, I think that was, like, all the women at the end of this, like, episode. We start to get, like, some a, a group scene. Yes. Women together in the um, – I mean, you posted on the Instagram while she – Mary with the chairs, with the igloo. She's not having it. And I really want to give a shout-out to Kathleen because that picture was from Kathleen – the concept was from Kathleen. She's become our unofficial social media um, expert. Kathleen, I hope you're listening to this. Big shout out to you. You're amazing. Um, iconic scene. It was captured beautifully. But I was just like, we got, so this is this thing about the factions. This is such an odd bunch lunch. If you had told me last season that I was going to be watching you know, bad weather plus Miriam Cosby plus Meredith engaged and in an igloo, I wouldn't have thunk it. And it was just like, it was such a nice ladies who lunch. But um, I'm, Patricia, you're literally just showing me your belly right now. <laughs> that oh my God, that's embarrassing. <laughs> Sorry. I was so distracted. You need a tan, honey. <laughs> it's winter. <laughs> I can tell. Um, but yeah, I was just like, this is this is never like this is amazing already. Like I know you wet your pants with like Miriam Cosby, but I like wet my pants with this whole scenario. I was like, wow. I mean, it is very it's, it's a, bizarre. Like, but I think it was only weird because Mary was there. Like, I think <laughs> just the other three women, we wouldn't have been so freaked out by this. But it's the inclusion of Mary that's like, but why? Why are you here? And she just sits there and makes comments to herself. True. But in her confessionals, she did justify why she was there. And this is, again, we talk about Mary being, like, quirky and all this stuff, but then we talk about her giving the read and, like, being smart as well. And she, you know, she does not trust any human being and she's really stoic in her convictions, right? She she just, she just cannot understand why anyone would be lenient 
to Jen Shah. And it's in this, when they're talking about it, Heather talks about the juice that, mm-hmm. that um, Jen Shah kind of gives her. And just Mary saying, that's not juice, that's a choice. Like, I was like, praise be, I will join your church. But also just like, this is the thing about Heather that is so weird to me. She, it's like she wants to kind of be a sheep. Like she talks about wanting to have, take control over her life and do all these things. But she kind of also wants to be dominated. Like she's very submissive, even to her friends. Like she talks, her her loyalty to Jen is like, it's not even, oh, I don't, I don't even know what the right word is, but it's unhealthy. Um, Moshi, did you see um, Heather on Watch What Happens? Watch What Happens. I, I didn't see it, but I've heard about it. I mean, on Watch What Happens, it was very interesting because um, the question was, like, you know, how can you support Jen Shah, like, you know, being an alleged criminal? And Heather's response was, well, I knew what her business was before. Why would I change now? And well, when... she, didn't she sort of say that she knew that her business wasn't like comprendo, like it wasn't all the way good? She knew. So she described it as being unsavory. Unsavory, she, that's the she way. She said it was on the line, uh, but she didn't think that it was illegal. Well, I think that's the thing. And this is something I was talking to my sister about this I think that's potentially what we're also going to find out about Tom Girardi is that his stuff wasn't illegal like he worked within the law but what they've done is unsavory and it's just it's not what a good person would do uh, I disagree I think Tom Girardi has done everything illegal here oh, okay um, <laughs> but I, I think it's thing is that like you know with the whole heather thing like you said following like a sheep and like i don't think it's following like a sheep i think it's that she wants to be liked i think she wants to be in with jen Shah for whatever reason right i think she's got some you know over like trauma obviously from her mormon church going days but you know to know that somebody's business is like you know and it's immoral. I think that's what she was saying. She knew that it was immoral. Illegal. Illegal, um, right. And then how, at the end of the day, can you still support that? Because it's sort of like, oh, well, I supported it before. Why wouldn't I support it now? And it's sort of like, yeah, well, before you just thought it was like, you know, immoral. And it's not something that, ha- it's not a way that you would run your business because that's what she said. She said, I would never get involved with something like that. Uh, but now it's actually illegal. Like, I don't know. Like, why? Why do you want to be with? Why do you want to be involved? I don't because know. of the juice, Patrizio. It's the juice. Is Jen Shah? Do I give? That do delicious? I give you the juice? Oh, you give oh. me the choice. I give you the choice. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Either way, I just think <sighs> Heather is one of those people that takes two steps forward and one step back, and or one step forward and two steps back, and. It's the reason, like, for me after the reunion that I don't know if I can be on the Heather Gay train anymore. And also I want to know more about this alleged racism because my takeaway from it is that I think we also know that at some point Miriam Cosby calls her a racist and 
that was probably the 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 thing in that scene that I was like uh that I rolled my eyes at because it seemed to me that the discussion was more around like who wants to be friends with somebody who calls you things like that and it's like but is it true and if it is you should be more worried about that than your friend calling you out for something I definitely got that from Whitney I was kind of like Whitney was very Mm -hmm. like you shouldn't be friends with someone who calls you racist and it's like yeah but what if you are are. (laughs) and the thing is we all are a little like we all are racist like all of us because we've been conditioned to just accept certain social things as norms and they're not they're systemic but like yeah it just was like to me I was like ugh this is when I have to like take a step away from bad weather. Like I am probably on the bad weather train as in they are bad weather. I, that's probably where I really align with Lisa Barlow. The way that Lisa Barlow is going to be like the standout. of this Oh, a hundred percent. I think the other thing on this Igloo lunch was um, we sort of get this like storyline starting to form around um Meredith and Jen's feud, how Meredith, Meredith's son, what's his name again? Brooks. Brooks. Brooks, Brooks Brooks's like sexuality has been called out by Jen on mm-hmm. social media. I mean, Moshi, my question to you, I mean, like, is it not okay to be called a twink on social media? Like, so. I don't necessarily think that that's the argument. I think so. This is this is the the conversation that we always have is that the child that from day one the children are supposed to be off limits. But if the children insert themselves into the show, if the children get their own conf- confessional, does that make them fair game? Right. That's the the big question, and I think from like protecting your child's stance I think that uh, I I wouldn't want like an adult or a, a, a more mature person talking about my child's sexuality without the without if, if that's not something that my child is comfortable talking about like I don't think like you should out people if they're not out regardless of of what we perceive or believe for me anyway as a cis woman of a certain age it is not my place to start outing you know a 20 something young man maybe you could do it as like a gay daddy but I couldn't (laughs) (laughs) I mean no I mean it's 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 his own story to tell and like he wants to be out and proud if he hasn't figured it out yet if he is you know straight whatever his story is like he's the one that needs to tell it um I I don't know I just thought that some of the things that like I mean can I have a question are we at the point where twink is just like any skinny white guy (laughs) or are we still only associating it with gays but that's what I'm saying for like you know to be calling him a privileged twink like like, what, like, I mean, I think there is obviously a connotation there that we're saying that he is a part of a specific community. But at the same time, like, I mean, like, let's just 
make it what's it normalize it let's let's just call any skinny person a twink from now on you could be a bear like I, what what are labels honestly this is exactly how i was describing it to my sister i was like let's well, like you know there's bears there's twigs but at the same time like should your mum be talking about somebody's kid being a twink on the internet with people that she doesn't know I'm going to out her here. My mum would do that. <laughs> she wouldn't use okay, the word bad example. she wouldn't know. But, like, my mum wouldn't understand that there is, like, um, you know, this this etiquette around, like, etiquette. people's That's journeys. A... <laughs> you know, but I think you're absolutely right, though. I think it is about etiquette. I think there's two things here. I completely understand where Meredith is coming from being an overprotective mama bear. But at the same time... He did do a confessional where he spoke about her vagina. And I think that when you do that in the way that you did it, honey, you've allowed yourself to be fodder. I don't feel sorry for, I'll put it this way, I do not feel sorry for Brooks Marks. I, I, I think I, I don't think I feel sorry for him, but I think I empathise with the situation. I think that, like, Jen... The thing is that, like, yeah, okay, he talked about it in the confessional, but Jen has, like, she... Uh, when did I hear this quote this week? Call Peter because she is beating the dead horse. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I just think it is... I've never understood the internet cat fighting sort of stuff, but... I think it's something that comes with the territory of being a person on the internet. I do think it is really troublesome. To, I do think that you shouldn't be, like, if you like a tweet that offends someone, I think I don't think you can hide behind, well, I just liked it or I just retweeted it. Like, I, you are, hold, you are to me, being like, it's as good as if you posted it. Oh, I mean, retweeting especially, but liking yeah. something. And it doesn't matter if the whole thing was like, Brooks Marks is a nice person. He's great on TV. So he's a little shit. Um, but I think he's like great on the show. You can't like that and then be like, oh, I didn't like, I, I wasn't liking it because of like the whole thing. I liked it just for the first sentence or whatever. Like that's, that's bullshit. Exa- exactly. Well. That's bullshit. Um. I mean, I, I've seen a certain, like, you know, j- journalists in Australia this week say that they like tweets to put them in, like, an archive to get back and read later because they want to, like, save it somewhere. I mean, like, I don't know, people come up with any excuse as to why they're liking the tweets when they're called out for it. Yeah. Oh, sorry, um, it's a little cameo from my puppy. <laughs> But I guess this then spills over into the Shabbat dinner, right? So Meredith invites Lisa Barlow and her family over for Shabbat dinner. It's not something that Meredith normally does, but in the wake of her father dying, mm-hmm. um, this is something that she wants to do. Um, I thought, like, it was interesting. We got to meet Meredith's daughter, who wasn't around last season, but she's around this season. She was in, she was in one, one episode last season. She was there for the vagina episode. I mean, look, the way that we are calling in the whole family this season, like Seth <laughs> is going to be there 50% of the time, Brooks is back, the daughter's here, like Meredith is engaging. <laughs> she is. The dog is like on the table. 
It's all happening. Oh, the dog on the table is disgusting. I can't like. <laughs> and it's the it's the like oh it's so cute. It's like no, get the dog off the table and stop letting it eat the human food. <laughs> <laughs> I could feel you like fuming at that scene, Ooh, but honey. I di- I digress though. Lisa is here. She's trying to play peacemaker and bring Meredith and Jen together. And I don't know about you. I don't think I, – I just don't understand why she's trying so hard. Well, I, okay, there are two issues here. First of all, there's the issue that Lisa equates her mm-hmm. feud with Heather. Heather on the same level as Meredith does Meredith with, with Jen, right? So, the, and they are not equal. They're not the same. They like, are not equal. I don't even know what Heather and Lisa are fighting over at this point. Like, that well, they know each other, but they don't know each other. Like, that's like, literally what Meredith said. They're fighting over whether or not they knew each other in high <sighs> in college. Like, that's the fight. It's petty bullshit. And it's nowhere near to the same level as Meredith and Jen. Um but the other side of it as well is this whole thing around that, like, Lisa doesn't answer the question around, like, what? well, what would you do if Jen was talking about your kids on Twitter, right? She doesn't answer the question. And Meredith just explains in the confessional that she has asked Lisa in the past. Lisa has said that she hasn't seen it on social media, and Meredith has said, well, do you want the screenshots? And Lisa has not wanted to see the screenshots of Jen's social media bashing of Brooks. So why is Lisa, like, what, like what's Lisa's deal? Well, she obviously agrees with it. She's obviously a homophobe. That's Ooh. my takeaway. No, I don't <sighs> think she is. But um, I, I just think, you know, you know, like she's doing that thing when people, you know, like when you've got nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. That's what Lisa's saying. She is holding her tongue because there's obviously something that she she deems in that argument as being like trivial and or she's potentially complicit. Like to me, those are the only things. Um, like you can't just ignore somebody asking you something. Oh, she has. But, it, but now it's on TV. She can't. And she'll get it at the reunion as well. It'll have to be asked. I think what we learned from this dinner is Meredith is ready to engage. Engage, yeah. And, but I will say, though, I really liked that Lisa could see that their friendship was about to, like, that things were about to go all the way left and they've got their kids. You know, like, there's all this wholesome family stuff happening in the background. Brooks is pulling the challah out of the oven. The kids are playing and talking and learning about the challah bread and doing all this stuff. And, you know, we we don't want, she didn't want it to go left. And I thought that that was really conscious because I would just let it go left. Like if me and you were fighting, I'd just be like, let's have it out. <laughs> like she was so like, no, 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 I'm pulling this back in. I don't want to lose this friendship. Like she does really value her friendship with Meredith. But then I feel like the other side of that is that you're just delaying the inevitable. Inevitable. Yeah. That Which will happen. The, the friendship, there's not a lot left. 
with Jen. It's it's hang. Oh, you mean with Meredith? Meredith? And Lisa. No, I don't think so. I think they'll be friends forever. I think they might be friends, but not like they before. It's well, they can't. I mean, it's the thing is that I guess on some level as well, Meredith can't really trust her. Uh, Meredith's confessional looks stunning. Her hair is so much better this season. It's she's got like the the grey dress with the deep plunge, the pink fluffy moments. I'm not a huge fan of the makeup in that look, but she looks she's been touched by an angel this season. I mean they all have. I don't know. Like Whitney kind of looked the same. Oh, yeah, but she was she's she was touched by an angel ages ago. Um, I'm obsessed with Mary's hat though. Just Mary wearing a hat in the confessional is brilliant. It's very like R and B. I I love it. It's church lady. It's church lady, but it's also like nineties R and B hip hop. Were you even alive for nineties R and B hip hop? I'm telling you right now, the look that Mary is serving is not nineties R and B. But it's not church lady. It is. It's first lady. She's got the gloves. She's got the hat. Okay, I'm gonna send you some movies. You need to watch some black movies, and you will see. She's giving us first lady at the church. That's that's a hundred percent the look we're getting. I think it's. I mean, wasn't it like sequined or something? That like exactly. The that's the first lady at the church. <sighs> I don't know. I'm really sorry. I hate to break it to you, but you are very wrong right now. (laughs) I think it's just more jazzed up. I think it's too jazzed up to be. You've never been to like a Pentecostal Baptist black church, like a a revivalist church. That is literally what they wear. And I actually have been to one. (laughs) Um, That's a story for another time, child. Let me tell you. (laughs) Miriam Cosby's church. It was on that people were they were laying hands people were feeling the holy spirit okay but i went for the music because they used to sing songs from the sister act 2 soundtrack <laughs> maybe that's I what we went, i literally went for the gospel choir that was the whole reason why i went i mean it was I'm... a free concert you know <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. did they convert you no, I was I was just there for the music. I had ugh, you can't convert me. My my religion is believer. I've always said that. Believer, you're a believer. <laughs> always. <laughs> wow. I mean, <laughs> this podcast is going to the left right now. Uh, bring it on back. Bring it on back. Well, I mean, look, Marshy, this was a killer first episode. These women, these women have like established themselves mm-hmm. yet again. Um, it's right up there, like to me at the moment. I mean, the fact alone that Potomac and Salt Lake City are holding the Sunday right. night slot says everything to me. Everything. Um. Goodbye to every other franchise. I'm sorry. I mean, you're all going to go the way of Dallas. You are going to crash and burn if you do not lift your game. The 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 assignment. Some people, these two uh, franchises have understood the assignment. Yes. Um, I don't know. What are you looking forward to this season? <sighs> I'm looking forward to 
more engagement from Meredith. Like now that she's engaged, I want her to go all the way to 100. I'm looking forward to obviously more Mary. For me, I want more of like what I didn't get last season. I want more Mary. I want more Lisa. I want more Meredith. I want less Jen Shah. I want less bad weather. And I want to find out who Jenny is. I'm excited to see um, Miriam Cosby reopen the church after the Mm -hmm. lockdown, Um, whatever that looks like. I'm sure she'll be doing some Zooms or some socially distant preaching. Um, I think, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to Meredith. Like, I, I think, unfortunately, perhaps in the back of her father's death, she might spiral and... I unfortunately wow. like to watch. <laughs> wow, women. the darkness. And sometimes these. This, this is what. Do you, you say you like? You were about to say you like to watch women spiral. Is that why you're friends with me? <laughs> <laughs> I like to watch housewives spiral. Ah, okay. I hear the distinction. Um, yeah, not all women, specifically the housewives, <laughs> and I think like. Wow. I think Meredith, like she might spiraling it like is she is she engaging or is she spiraling that is my question to you i don't care about jen shah who ratted on jen shah because none of them did if any of them did it was the bravo crew okay but (laughs) it's the spiraling of meredith will she spiral that's my question obsessed well patrizio i mean i feel like I know other franchises happened this episode, but thank you for just being so down to talk only Salt Lake City because to me it's a breath of fresh air. It was, I feel reinvigorated. I'm like ready for these other seasons to end and I just can't wait for another Sunday, Monday so I can watch the next episode. Yeah, I mean, it had to be done today. This had to be the Salt Lake City episode. Mm -hmm. We're, We're back to our roots. We are. We're back to this is we were created, you know, the same way that like Miriam Cosby didn't fit until she was born for God. We were born for the women of Salt Lake City. Wow. And on that note, Moshi, we've come to the end of another episode. Rate, review, subscribe. Yes, and visit us on From the Lower Level Pod. We will be back next week talking all things Salt Lake City, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Real Housewives of Potomac, and everything in between. Talk to you next week. Amen. (laughs) Praise be. Bye. (laughs) 